Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Roziel and today my guest is Brandon McDonald. He is the assistant men's basketball coach at Towson University, previously the assistant men's basketball coach at Manhattan College and was a GA at the University of Pittsburgh with Jamie Dixon. He also played Division II basketball at Virginia Union University. It was a lot of fun getting to chat with Brandon about what he's done and how he's done it a little bit into the world of college basketball coaching and some of the the stuff that we don't all quite know about. Um, But it was a lot of fun getting to really understand from Brandon his perspective, and he's been doing it for so long, what recruiting's like, what coaching is like, how different programs operate. So that was a lot of fun getting to learn a little bit about Jamie Dixon. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get him on the show one of these days. But thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Brandon McDonald. Let's get it today. I have Brandon McDonald, assistant men's basketball coach at Towson University, previously previously with Manhattan College and a GA at the University of Pittsburgh with Jamie Dixon, played at Virginia Union University. Brandon, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Pleasure's all mine, as I told you before. No shot I'm coaching Duke anytime soon. You got a much, much better chance at doing that. Uh, but Brandon, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, man, it's, uh, it kind of it grew me up. So, I mean, you know, going outside when you're younger, playing, you were drawn to sports. It started off as probably kickball, a little bit of soccer, and then uh, started with football and then kind of transitioned into basketball. So I kind of honed in on two sports. It was either football or basketball. Um, and then uh, I, I took more of a liking and a loving to basketball. Um, tried baseball, did it for one day. Wasn't really for me, and that's when I started AAU basketball. So, you know, it was basketball year-round, and then I did a little bit of football in the fall. So. I, I'm a huge baseball fan, but it's definitely not for everybody. I can totally respect that. But what what is it about basketball that really either drew you in or, or really, like, helped you love, you know, the sport more? Uh, I think what drew me into basketball was, you know, um, you know, how, how, uh, how you move in basketball, you know, how you work together as a team with other people, um, the relationships you can build. Um, I think you learn to, to work through adversity in basketball. Now, I didn't know that back then. I just thought it was fun and, you know, it was a challenge for me. Um, but now being able to articulate it through going through the many different stages of playing basketball, I think uh, that grew a bit. So, I, I mean, I think it's more of the challenges you get with uh, playing basketball and then how it brings you together with those group of people that, you know, are on your team. Then you become, you know, you get rivals and then, you know, that adds fuel to the fire and it makes it funner um, to be competitive with that. So I think I got that a little more in basketball than I did with football. And that's that is awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something about basketball um, that, you know, it's it's the open space. 
it's the it's the movement it's everything that's going on no not none too much downtime and again as you said then you get those rivalries you're going the thing that i love about basketball um more so than football at least in this aspect is you have to play both sides of the ball right you got to be good at offense you got to get a good at defense and if you're covering the same guy that's covering you as you said the team rivalries well those in-game rivalries as well they get kind of heated uh you know you guys start uh banging around down there and uh, some stuff goes goes a little sideways i mean hey now you get the chance at the other end of the floor to show him so i always think that that part is pretty cool so uh, i love it man thank you for that and so so tell us a little bit about i guess you growing up in the sport of basketball as you said you started playing aau um you know we spoke about you went to virginia union university division two how at what point did you realize like all right maybe maybe i can go to college and play basketball maybe there's something here that can you either help me out in my education or could even you know potentially take it to the next level well, according to my mother, I was always a better football player than basketball player. Uh-oh. But, uh, so you you I went against shoot. mom? Uh-oh. I, went against, I went against mom. Um, she actually called me soft when I wanted to quit football and play basketball. That's awesome. a whole other story, though. But oh, uh, my mom would have done the same thing. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, I kind of knew I was getting, you know, good and and uh college was realistic probably about ninth grade so i went to a high school in waldorf maryland uh westlake high school um and i was on varsity as a freshman um and then you know i i kind of you know started to make my way and i transferred to a high school eleanor roosevelt in uh, greenbelt maryland i transferred there i originally went there to play football tried out for the basketball team I kind of knew a few of the players on the basketball team just from playing AAU and, of course, like we talked about rivals and, you know, then playing with some of those guys. So we already had a kind of relationship. And that coach, uh, Glenn Farello, kind of put a lot of fuel in my fire um, as far as telling me how hard I needed to work to, to get to the next level and things like that. So I would say ninth grade is starting to, like, become real and my goal was always to have my mother not have to pay for college so that was kind of my main goal i love that and that's very important i mean if you could save hundred thousand dollars uh that's that's some pretty important stuff i mean hundred thousand might be on the low end honestly when we're talking about college but you can save that amount of money because you know you're really good at a sport and there's that opportunity i mean obviously you want to take it so what did that look like for you i mean it sounds like you you moved uh schools a couple different times how how did you come in contact with uh you uh virginia union i know you got a little bit of a story there as well okay so uh how it happened high school i used to go to uh Eastern Invitational. It's now called Hoop Group. So at first it was Eastern Invitational. <clears throat> and uh, I got recruited. Uh, the two main recruiters, I went on two visits. I went uh, to Central Connecticut State and I went on a visit to St. Peter's College. Um, I, I committed to St. Peter's. It was Coach Lecky and John Cofino. John Cofino was the head recruiter. He recruited me. Um, so I committed there. I signed there. Um, Coach Leckie's wife, unfortunately, got cancer and he retired. So they had a new coach come in, John Dunn, who was there for a while. Now I believe he's at Maris. He came and did a home visit. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I wasn't really feeling it. Um, So I then went to prep school, did not qualify, went to prep school. Um, and then that's when Virginia Union came in. I went to prep school in San Antonio, Texas. 
Um, and then uh, Virginia Union came in. I went on to visit the Virginia Union. I hated it. I hated it, but my mother was like, listen, it's getting down to the wire. You don't have many options right now. Like, you're taking this scholarship. So I then I call Virginia Union. I commit. Um, and a week later, I get a call from my high school coach, Glenn Farello. He's like, listen, man, you're going to get out of this commitment. You're going to take the SAT again, and you're going to go play for Mike Rice at Robin Morris. And I'm like, Coach, I understand what you're saying. Me and the SAT really isn't getting along that much. So I'm just going to go ahead and go on to Virginia Union, and we're going we're gonna to live with this decision I made. So that's kind of the breast of how I got to Virginia Union. That is pretty funny, man. I mean, uh, I was never a huge fan of the uh, SATs either. We did not get along too well. Uh, thankfully, I guess I did what I needed to do and got to the places I needed to be. But that's all it takes sometimes, man. I think that's really important. Yeah. And yeah, playing at Robert Morris probably would have been pretty sweet. But as you said, you kind of know who you are. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you end up hating your time at Virginia Union or did you end up kind of enjoying it while you were there? I think it was the best experience for me. Look at that. My mother got to come to every game. I got to play for a Hall of Fame coach my first year, and Dave Robbins. Um, he retired after that, and then I played for Willa Coker. But, I mean, the relationships I built there, uh, what you learned in college and that atmosphere, because it was a historically black uh, college and university. So, I mean, I can't take away that experience I got from there, and I don't think I would have got it from any place else. So I'm very thankful for Virginia Union. I enjoyed every aspect of it. I didn't get kind of the results I wanted uh, in basketball. But I learned a lot about life, so that was, and that's, I think that was even more important. I was just about to say that's probably going to end up being more important one day. Um, you know, that, that you, you could take that forever. I mean, basketball, your basketball career can only last so long. I mean, you know, some of these guys, mm-hmm. not every, A, not everyone's LeBron and can play until they're like 45. Exactly. But most of the time, you know, by the time you're 30, 30 something, you already have 10 years in the league at that point. Your, your knees are weak, mm-hmm. man. It doesn't always work as well. So you can live exactly. your life after basketball, which is important. Exactly. So I think it's great that you were able to take that away. So at what point during your time at Virginia Union did you want to become? Uh, did you realize that you wanted to impart this wisdom that you've learned onto others and become a coach? I did. <laughs> so <laughs> one, of the, one of the assistants at Virginia Union was like, hey, man, you should coach. And I'm like, no way, never. So that then, uh, so I graduated from Virginia Union. I don't know what to do. Um, and then uh, a coach, uh, assistant coach at Roosevelt, Brian Hall, calls me and was like, yo, man, do you want to coach uh, AAU? You know, you get to travel, you get to be with the team, and you get to stay around basketball. Like, is it something you might be interested in? So I'm like, sure, why not? Get to travel. You know, I'm not doing anything anyway. I might as well stay around the game a little bit. So that was kind of my introduction into coaching. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but it it was a start. Learn on the job, man. What was it when, yeah. when, that, when that first coach initially told you that you should be a coach? Obviously, he saw something. What was it? Why didn't you want to become a coach or even, like, entertain that offer? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I probably would say, in my mind, I thought I was still a player. Like, I was going to play for a while. Um, I think I was kind of fooling myself uh, based upon what I was doing. And, and I thought I was better than I was, like most people. Um, yeah, that happens. So, so that was kind of, I was taken back at first. And then 
you know, I seen that coach uh, a couple years after I started coaching. I was like, I, I got to apologize to you because you was right. I probably should have got on this sooner and started making headway a little sooner when you told me I should be a coach. That's funny, man. And that's very nice of you to go back and uh, give him his props because obviously he saw something. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what was it? What is it about you that multiple people reached out or multiple people said, hey, man, this might be a good career path. Like, what do you think they saw in you to say, to at least, again, just bring up this opportunity? Um, I think they saw a, a leadership quality and uh, like kind of my feel and knowledge for the game. Um, I couldn't always articulate it. I just knew where I needed to be and where other people needed to be. Um, I kind of studied playbooks, so it didn't take me a long time to pick up on plays. And I always was the type of guy to know where everyone should be. So if a play broke down, I could at least, you know, instruct somebody where to get to. Um, That's important. And I kind of – I was always kind of a step ahead of – defenses because I understood rotations mm-hmm. um so that that kind of most likely put them you know gave them that mindset for mm-hmm. me very cool man yeah and as you said it's not just the basketball aspect like clearly you had that down but the leadership qualities too are very important yeah. in a coach and, and being able to you know just yelling at someone and telling them what to do is not teaching that's just yelling yeah. at someone and telling them what to do and that never <laughs> exactly. ever I mean it works in certain situations don't get me wrong but most people I, do not respond well to that type of coaching. Yep, and I kind of I kind of learned that early on um just dealing with teammates. Um so like I said like when you're building with teammates I learned who can take what. So some of my teammates couldn't yell I mean couldn't take me yelling, cursing or screaming at them. Some of them needed a pat on the back or, mm-hmm. or other things. So you got to kind of – every every player is different, and you have to approach them like that. Um, so when you're leading them – and I played point guard, you know, high school and college. I played mostly point guard. So that was kind of my role of figuring out what makes everybody tick and then what motivates them. So I then know what buttons to push during the game to get them where I know we needed to be as a team. Hundred percent. That's how you win, man. You gotta have a good yeah. point guard, especially in today's basketball. I mean, you've always sure. needed a good point guard, but now it's a, it's even. I feel like more heavily involved there, so I think that's cool. So you started coaching. You had a few stops along the way, and eventually, you got a shot at. Um, I saw there was a couple Catholic schools in there, if I'm not mistaken. There's a couple AAU opportunities, and then eventually you get your shot with uh, to be a GA at the University of Pittsburgh. How? What did you do from that first coaching opportunity up until the University of Pittsburgh opportunity? What did you do and how did you excel to the point where, again, legendary coach Jimmy Dixon, been to the, I don't know, I think he's been to the Elite Eight a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever made it to the Final Four. I could be wrong, though. What, no, what not did, yet. Um, not, not yet. He'll get there. What, what, did, you, yeah, what did you do in that year and change to say, okay, look, I am not only capable, but you want me on your staff? So uh, I happened to get with one of the most powerful AAU teams in the uh, in the country at that time. So I, I started coaching with Team Takeover, and I was just in the gym, soaking up knowledge, helping out wherever I could, um, being around, and then started building relationships with those young men. Um, and then, you know, coaches come see, you know, they go to the AAU events, they see who's around and who – has possible relationships with guys and that's 
kind of where, where it stemmed from. Um, he already had current AU guys from Team Takeover on his team um, and James Robinson. So that made the transition kind of easy and just asking questions about who I am and, and things like that. So that kind of started the relationship there. Mm-hmm. And then, kinda, yeah, just kind of being around and being in uh-huh. the gym and helping out wherever. Just giving giving advice, giving value, helping out, and eventually. Yeah. So how how did like how does the process to become a, a graduate assistant work? Like, do you have to apply to the school and get into the school and then get the job? Like, give me a little bit of the the, the inside baseball there. So I was I was kind of lucky. So uh, Keith Stevens kind of helped me out a bit, uh, just a tad bit. Um, you know, he always, you know, just started the relationship. Um, so I wasn't coaching a team at that time. I was just kind of floating around. I wasn't sitting on the bench. I was, I was, you know, just helping out where I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he got me in touch with Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon said he needed a GA. And with the job entitled, with the position entitled, um, and then kind of I applied for school. I went up there to meet everybody, interviewed. Um, then when I got into school, that's when we started a position. I started with working camp, and then the position started. We started workouts and things like that. Very cool, man. Well, congratulations on that. As I said, Jamie Dixon, um, very well-known college uh college basketball head coach i mean he was at Pitt yeah. for a while where is he now i can't remember he went somewhere uh, else right tcu he's at TCU. tcu thank you now. there we go yep. there we go yep get to see him i mean unfortunately this year we didn't have any march madness but uh man yeah. we'll get it next year and that's all that matters but so with for sure with with that opportunity at pittsburgh i mean what does a graduate assistant do huh <laughs> uh anything that's asked uh you're, you're basically a uh uh, an older manager. Um, okay. and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, so I, I got my, I was able to do a lot of things. So I was able to, to cut video, um, to help with, uh, coaches in their, uh, you know, their uh, scouting reports. Um, I definitely work players out around the clock. So with, whenever they called, I would work them out. I mean, and you have to make yourself accessible at all times. Like I would, I would leave dates and go work out, uh, go work out players. Um, it was that important to me. So, I mean, for those guys that, that want to get in and it, it, it truly is a grind and you have to kind of know who you are and, and, and kind of help those guys out. Cause you're, you're, you're there to help them first. That is impressive, man. A college. I mean, you're right out of college, so you're not very old. You're 22, 23 leaving dates. I mean, that is, yeah, that's dedication, man. brother. That's dedication. For sure, for sure. For um, how many? How many? Did you ever get the opportunity to take those girls out on dates again, or did they? Uh... Oh, of course they. Understood. Okay, good. I told, I told them what it was before the deal. I said, "Listen, man, I'm a, I'm a GA at Pittsburgh, and uh, my phone is always on for the players. So if they call and ask me, you know, you gonna have to wait a little bit. We'll 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 resume this date some other time. But that's just what it is right now. I love and that, man. Of course, you're setting the expectations. You're doing the right thing as a coach, right? You're you're teaching yeah. them. You're getting them to understand what the uh, what you got to do and how you got to do it, and that's very important. And again, I mean, if they're from the area, they probably know how important Pittsburgh basketball is, and they probably mm-hmm. really enjoyed that aspect. Maybe that's even why you got the date. I don't know. I'm not here to make yeah. assumptions. Don't worry. Hey, don't worry. You, know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I love it, man. So you you spend two years at Pittsburgh, as you said, just doing whatever you got to do. After that opportunity. Um, 
So I, as I understand it with uh, graduate assistants, once you're out of school, it's pretty much you're done, correct? Like that's just kind of yeah. how the job works. So was there an opportunity to join the staff there at Pittsburgh or was it pretty much just understood that, hey, once school's done, you know, you're going to have this experience, then you can go somewhere else? Yeah, I think it was a, a, a bit of both. Um, you know, when you're a GA, you're, you're banking on if you want to stay at that current place, it either has to be someone on that staff leaving or they're creating a new position. Um, so most of the time you're out there kind of looking and it's based upon, you know, relationships and who that coach knows to help you kind of foster relationships. And it's, it's rare that uh, you go from being a GA right into an assistant, right? You got to work mm -hmm. your way up the ladder. So sometimes you go to, you know, video coordinator or director of basketball operations. Um, so I, I just, I think I just got lucky. Nah, just man. Got lucky and, no, such, and no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as luck, hey, man. man. I don't believe I, it. I, you worked extremely hard and you got that opportunity. You earned it, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. That. I mean, that, the Pittsburgh connection uh, helped me out for sure. A coach by the name of uh, Rasheen Davis kind of helped me get the uh, that Manhattan job. He was at uh, Pittsburgh before I was, um, and we kind of built a relationship. You know, that six degrees of separation thing uh, – Brian Hogg, him and Brian Hogg are real good friends. And, you know, Brian Hogg coached at Eleanor Roosevelt and helped me get my first kind of thrust in the coaching. So look at that. That relationship was going a long way. As it, as it should. And I mean, relationships are important in all aspects of sports. You, you, the more you're in it, the more you realize how small that network is and how small the universe is, which I think is really important. I mean, you're, you're friends with Jamie Dixon. I don't know if he's still in your phone or if you ever hit him up, but that just means you're connected to every single other basketball head coach, uh, head, yeah, head basketball sure. coach in the country. So you're doing something right, man. So tell us about that first, you know, job, I guess, quote unquote, out of school, right? You're, you're not in, you're not a GA anymore. Now you're getting this shot mm -hmm. as an assistant coach, as you said, most of the time you got to climb the ladder. How cool was it just to hop right in as an assistant coach? It was, it was a, it was definitely an eye opener for me. Uh, I was young, I was young, not in age, but in experience. Mm -hmm. um, and everything that you thought you knew or did as a GA, you can wipe that out as an assistant because it's totally different. I remember my first practice, it was because, all right, so now I'm playing two different styles. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing for young young guys to evaluate when they're going and looking at jobs and, and having different opportunities is the style of play that schools and that head coach plays. So I went from Jamie Dixon playing a bit of the pack line defense to more of a, you know, at Manhattan, the up-tempo, in-your-face type of style. Mm -hmm. And if you're playing the up-tempo, in-your-face type of style, that's how you practice. That's how you are majority of the time. And my first practice, I ain't understand that. So my first practice, I'm just out there like it's a, you know, I'm a GA. Man, after that, Coach Massiello called. I was in the office. He was like, man, I could have got a manager to do what you did today. Huh. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in for a long road. So I had to kind of consciously learn and prepare myself every day for those type of practices and, and you know, kind of, so I can better help the guys, you know, help them out. What exactly kind of are you doing as an assistant? You know, as you said, with the GA, you'll do pretty much anything that's necessary. But as an assistant, I feel like the role is probably a little more defined. So what exactly are you doing? Um, of course, you're doing scouting. Um, you're doing recruiting for sure. So, I mean, you're on the road 
uh, a lot. Um, so, and then you're just, you're working with the guard group, big group. Um, you have some type of, you know, group of players that you're working with, and then you're kind of helping them, you know, understand everything. Um, I think that's the difference in the assistant. Mm-hmm. So, so, and what, the recruiting aspect is a really, really big piece of it. What exactly, so like, um, what exactly were you doing in that practice that he, like, that wasn't up to snuff? Like, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm a little confused about. Explain that if you don't mind. Well, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, demanding. Mm-hmm. You have to be demanding. You have to teach and you have to talk with the purpose. So okay. you can't just be out there rah-rah clapping hey, good job, you know, you have to actually have to teach them, okay. you know, all right, if their footwork, if their position isn't right, like, you know, get out there and, and demand them to do it right. And if they're mm-hmm. not doing it right, then, you know, you pull them to the side, depending on that guy's personality, you either pull them to the side or you chew them out, depending on. Now, my first practice, my relationships aren't built yet mm-hmm. with those players. So I don't really know who I can get on and who I can't get on. So for me now I'm understanding like I have to speed up this process of getting to know these guys. So me personally, what I started to do was I started to kind of take each individual guy out. You know, I'll take a day a week and, and take a guy out to lunch, something just to get to know them a little better. So that way I can figure out how to coach them. So this doesn't keep happening. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. And that's a great way to do it, right? You know, you how many guys on a team, you get you can bang that out in a couple of weeks and then hopefully, you know, yeah. now you get to know everybody and then you're spending time with them in practice in the weight room, I'm sure, and really getting to learn who they are as players but as people and that's that's very important as a coach to understand. And with that, you you brought up the recruiting aspect as well. So you've sat on both sides of that. You've been recruited and now you are being the recruiter. What did mm-hmm. you learn from when you were being recruited that you can now utilize and take advantage of? while you're recruiting because it hasn't been that long since uh, you went through that process, no. right? No, not at all. I think uh, the, the thing I learned is, is just to be genuine. Be genuine, tell the truth, and, you know, build uh, a genuine relationship. If you do those things, I think you, you'll be just fine. And you have to understand that um, every kid is not for you and not for your head coach. So in recruiting, you have to understand who could play for your head coach. That's the, that's the main thing. No matter how good he is, uh, you, he has to be able to kind of take on or be able to, you know, be able to handle the head coach's coaching style. So if you have a yeller and you know a kid is not that mentally strong and be able to handle a yeller, then you probably can't recruit that kid, even though you may have a relationship previously with him. Um, and if you need a kid that needs structure, then you can't, you know, you can't, you know, recruit them if you have a coach that, you know, gives a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I took from it and what I understand now being on this side rather than the other side. That's really interesting. And uh, I've never really looked at it like that because I mean, you're dealing with 16, 17, 18 year old kids, right? And mm-hmm. it's very difficult to project out, or at least for me, it's very difficult to project out what someone might look like as an athlete, you know, physically, but then also, you know, you bring up a great point on the mental aspect of it as well. And if you know, you know, I always just thought it came down to more playing style than it did coaching style, which is very interesting and, and kind of 
seeing that play out, you know, as I've been talking about Duke a little bit, I'm a big Duke fan. There's a whole story. I'm not a front runner, I promise, but um, <laughs> it does, it doesn't hurt. I'm not going to lie about that, but you know, it's always interesting to kind of just see some of the players that coach K is able to wrangle up. And I mean, you know, last year with Zion and RJ and Cam, that was just fun, but it's, it's always very yeah. interesting to kind of see the playing style, how it might change from year to year, just slightly, but then also, you know, I never really looked at it from that mental aspect. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that the mental side and that is even more important than the playing style side? Or would you say it's about a 50-50 or, you know, does it go a little bit more one way than the other? I'd probably say 60-40. 60-40. Um, so mental. Okay. Mentally first. Because, I mean, when you get into college, you know, coaches are going to change their style somewhat to mm-hmm. their personnel. Um, so, I, I mean, they'll teach you how to kind of play in their system. Um, that's where that little freshman learning curve comes from. Um, so I think it's more mentally, especially now with the, the whatever they would call the millennials. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like to use that term. but I don't I like mean, to use it either. They're Gen Zs now anyway, man. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there you go. So, I, I mean, it's, it's more mental than, than, than physical and then playing style. Um, I think you can teach kids how to you know how to play you know your plans style now with saying that you can't you know come from playing a zone your whole life and then going to a team that presses like mm-hmm. we all know that that's not going to happen but you know those are the extremes and that makes so sense for that's the most interesting part, i think it's more mental yeah that is that is really good to learn especially from the recruiting end and then i guess like what is i've never been on that side i was never very i mean i played you know jv baseball that's my claim to fame right so i don't really know how any of this stuff works and being a recruiter like what what is that process like again you know speaking with these kids you know 16 17 years old trying to get them to understand why they should come to your school how do you talk to them in a way that allows them to understand that you 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 want to help them of course you want to bring them to your school because you think you're better but also realize like most of the ones you're talking to are not going to end up coming to your school anyway like how do those relationships really play out yeah i mean i i don't take any of it to heart I, mm-hmm. the way i approach recruiting is is like uh you know how you're trying to talk to women and I don't say but I approach it like that. Like, okay, yes. you're going to talk to a lot of girls, but you're only going to have really trying to get one girlfriend. So I'm uh-huh. recruiting them. I'm trying to get to know them. Um, and then we kind of find common ground. And that's where I'll, once I build that relationship, we have something in common, some things in common. Now I can kind of know what makes you tick and all that. And then I approach it like that. So I'm still going to tell you the truth of, you know, what I expect, what's going on. and and how I'm going to be demanding. But the one thing that I can't do, um, which hurt me, is tell a kid what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And then once they get here, it's different. Now that word of mouth spreads. And then it's, yep. you know, it's a little tainted from there. Got to be honest, man. You got to be honest. Yeah. If you're not being honest, what are you being? You're a liar. Um, no one likes that. Sure. And as you said, that, that stuff spreads real quick. That stuff spreads like yeah. wildfire. So you, uh, you spent a couple years at Manhattan, correct? Two years? Two seasons? Yep, two years. Yep, okay, and then, which is fantastic, and kudos to you for that one. And so what was it about the Towson opportunity that – how did that come about? Was this just through more relationships that you've had in the past? Like, how did you get this opportunity, and why did you want to take it? Uh, okay, so this is a – well, it's not really a crazy story. But so Jamie Dixon, Perry, 
who's the head coach at Towson, I actually worked uh, for Jamie Dixon as well. So when I was finishing up my GA position, Jamie Dixon made me meet with Pat Scarry, um, just to get to know him and, and all those type of things. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. We had a previous relationship from there. And then, of course, it, it being so close to where I'm from, um, Keith Stevens had a, had a part in it. You know, so <clears throat> it was all the aspect of me coming closer to home. Um, and I was about to have a, a, a newborn uh, daughter. So it was kind of me getting closer to home and having a relationship with Pat Scary already. And then Keith Steven also having a relationship with Pat Scary and they kind of. So all three of those, Jamie Dixon, I had a relationship with him. And then Keith Stevens kind of merged everything together to bring me to where I am now. Look at that, man. It still comes back down to some of those relationships you've had for a long time. It's not too surprising. Uh, you must have had a real big impact on some of these guys because they're still coming to bat for you all these years yeah, later, I which I think so. is awesome. <laughs> That's the hope. I hope so. And good for you, man. Very much good for you. And as you said, it's a lot. It's nicer. You get to move closer to home. I'm sure you're, you're, you know, your mom, you've been talking about her most of this time as well. And just that opportunity. Congratulations on the daughter. I think she's obviously a few years old now. So hope, yeah, hope you guys are having fun. In, hope you guys are having fun in quarantine together. But um, yeah, yeah. Two year old, two year old. Yeah. I could only imagine what that's like. Um, so with, with this opportunity, what did you get? You know, it, I know, I assume a GA isn't the same everywhere. I assume an assistant head coach doesn't have the exact same responsibilities everywhere. I'm sure there's a lot of overlap, like recruiting and such, but what is different or what more came with this opportunity at Towson? Or was it really just, hey, I want to get closer to home? Uh, no, I, I haven't a chance to be in charge of offense here. Um, you know, so that was kind of more appealing. And then, of course, coming home had a lot to do with it. Um, so, so it's in my backyard. So the, the access that I have to these kids are, are, are closer, um, more relatable sale. So that, that kind of mm-hmm. helped. That's what it was closer to moms. That always helps. That always Get helps. Get some of that home cooking. Yeah, that mm-hmm. helps. That's good stuff, man. And so what, um, how have you guys been the last few years? I'm not going to lie. I don't watch too, too much Towson basketball. Uh, my first year here, we had a lot of talent. Uh, underachieved a bit, um, but showed flashes um, within that team. My second year, we weren't very good, uh, kind of rebuilt, had a few guys transfer on us. Um, and then this past year, we were pretty good. Mm-hmm. We were pretty good, had a good stretch, finished third in the league. Um, so, you know, it's, it's constantly building, constantly building. And that's what you always got to do. How, do you, how, how are you excited for, uh, for next year? Yeah, man, very excited. We have a lot returning, although we lost our best player. You know, uh, our second best uh, returning score <clears throat> should take a big step this year and, and, and kind of help us out a lot. So we, we should man. be pretty good. I love it. I want, I want to see you on the bench next March. That's what I want to see. I want to see my hey. man, Brandon McDonald. Yeah. In March Madness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you guys through probably just the first round. I'm not going to lie. Probably not too, too much further than that. But. Wow. Don't tell us <laughs> short. We'll All see. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll see. see. Exactly. We'll see. Maybe, maybe you know that, as you said, your number two score, he's going to come in and he's going to be a, you know, a John Morant. And I, I, had, uh, I had that team going really far. That didn't work too well for me, but. Hey, man, you never know. Crazy things have happened. Yeah, exactly. Crazy things have happened. 
So I know um, a couple more things here and really do appreciate your time, man. This has been a, an absolute blast. I know, um, so you you came up, uh, you know, you, you played AAU basketball, as you said, you know, you kind of had that first coaching opportunity through AAU and you and I, we were talking off air for a little bit, you know, talking about the the rap that AAU gets. It's always, it's, you never hear anything good about it. I'll, I'll just say that yeah. right off the bat. Um, it might just be an easy target, but tell, tell me why you, you believe in AAU basketball and why you don't think it is, it, it why you don't think it's as bad or nearly as bad as everyone's making it out to be? Well, I, I mean, everybody kind of thinks it's just roll the balls out and you just play basketball. That's not it at all. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these guys have a lot of structure to what they do. A lot of them run sets, um, as you would see in college. So, um, yeah, I think AAU is highly beneficial. I mean, the access that you have. Um, so it runs in the spring and summer, which means – college coaches can come out a lot more. Um, high school basketball, college coaches can't come out as much because they're dealing with their own season. So that's why, you know, most of the recruiting happens during the AAU season. Um, now, of course, don't get me wrong, it's bad coaches everywhere at every level. Um, so it's not just, you know, bad coaches in AAU and things like that. It's bad coaches in high school, bad coaches in college. So um, I don't understand why AAU gets such a bad rep. I mean, of course, it's all volunteer. Now, some of your, you know, your shoe program, grassroots programs, no, you, they may get a little bit more funding, um, but they're still a volunteer of their time. They still have other jobs that they have to go on and work. So they're taking the opportunity to work with these kids um, and, and kind of hone their skills until they get to us at the college level. So I think you know, AAU basketball is, is very helpful and, 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 you know, is a staple in basketball today. It's absolutely a staple. I mean, you see, you know, all these guys that come through, you rarely ever see the pictures of them on their, uh, on their high school team. You know, again, the, right. the Zions and the RJs, you always see them on that AAU team and what they're doing right. and how they're doing it. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I mean, AAU starts relatively young, right? Like you can, there's some teams yeah, that, super young. You, you know, so I mean, what, 10, 11, 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. sometimes if, I'm yeah. sure there's ones that are younger as well. And again, you know, it gives you the opportunity to play spring and summer. I mean, I played summer baseball growing up, like what, that was never looked at as a negative and those coaches are all volunteering their time too. So you exactly. know, it's, it is weird how, um, you know, how and why some things, and I'm sure, as you said, there's bad coaches everywhere. It doesn't matter what level we're at. They're going to come from everywhere. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully whatever you're doing and whatever you did, you were able to change some things and, you know, you got some good stuff in there. So uh, the other, one of the other last uh, questions I wanted to give to you. I know, again, you sent me over your resume, which is very extensive. So I do appreciate that. And then there's an entire page essentially on your coaching philosophy, which I thought was awesome. So I want you to tell us a little bit about your coaching philosophy and where and how this really developed into such a specific statement, I guess. Um, I mean, it kind of developed over time. I mean, you learn from each coach that you have. Um, you know, so you try to take bits and pieces from each coach that you have. That's That's kind of my mindset behind it. And I think one of my main staples of, you know, coaching or, or dealing with people, period, is respect. And respect is a two-way street. So you, you show the respect that you want to receive. So I'm always going to show people respect first. But a lot of people don't understand respect goes has many different layers. Like, I didn't understand this until I got a bit older and got to coaching. Like, uh, you know, being on time is a respect thing, right? Because now, if I'm on time, I respect and value 
everything else that you have going on. If I'm a, if I'm, you know, a couple minutes late, that means that makes you a couple minutes late for other things that you mm-hmm. have going on. Yep. So that's just, you know, a respect thing of me. Like I'm not going to be late because, you know, I, I respect what you're doing and you have other things going on. Um, so that's a, that's a main thing. Uh, communication is big for me. Um, you can never over communicate. Um, you know, having everybody on the same page is, is a huge thing because it leaves out, you know, negativity. Mm-hmm. You know, it blocks it out because you always know where you stand with someone if you communicate to them and tell them the truth. Um, also on there is care. Um, caring about people, you know, wanting them to see, see wanting, to, wanting them to do well, I'm sorry. Wanting them to do well, um, not just for what they can do for you, but like actually caring about them as a person, you know, caring about their family. And if you have that within the team, then they understand where people come from. And it's bigger than just basketball and being on the court. Like they kind of hang out off the court. And that ties into the next one of togetherness, um, building a family atmosphere. Now, you're not going to always get along with your family. That, that's not the case. Very but true. They are your family. So you, you, you stick with them through, through thin and thick. Um, thankfulness, you know, you always have to be thankful for the opportunity because not a lot of people get to do what you're doing. Um, you know, um, don't take your situation for granted. Of course, think about the times that we're in now. You know, some of those seniors didn't know that that would be their last game. So if they didn't mm-hmm. leave everything they had and weren't thankful for the opportunity that they got, then, you know what I'm saying, they, they're leaving with some regret. And that may be some of their last games that they just played. Yeah, um, man, that, kind of, that part sucks the most, I think. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but, like, that's the no, part for me. Like, that's really what – that, I just feel so bad for those guys and those girls, right? And pretty much any, yeah. all the winter sports. It's just mm-hmm. such a – no one saw it coming, right? And then all of a sudden it happened yeah. in this pretty much snap of a finger and it's just like, and that's it, and it's over. And so that's it's super it. unfortunate. It's but, so that's um, why you, you never know when your last game is going to be, so you have to leave it all out there on the floor. 100%. On the court, or, you, know, you know, whatever sport you're playing, you have to leave it all out there and give your best effort. I appreciate um, that. Sorry, I, but keep going. Yeah, sorry. No, man. for sure. Uh, accountability is one a, a big a big thing because you know I think you have to behavior is a funny thing right so you know you have these habits <laughs> until you get to college whether they're good or bad and now you know coming into a program they may have totally different habits so you often have to teach them how to how you do things around them a lot of people call it professionalism or how to be a professional, but it's just teaching them how to behave in that environment. Um, and I think, you know, holding them accountable to that, you know, you set a standard and then you hold them to that standard and hold them accountable. Now, the funny thing with that is you have to, as the leader, have to do all those things that you have to be the model of that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but still setting one and having one and holding everybody accountable to that, I think helps you run a clean program and, you know, have players on top of it and be disciplined with it. And then adaptability is, you know, once you have that discipline and structure, you're able to adapt to other things that are thrown your way. Because like we spoke about earlier, basketball is, you know, offense, defense. You have to move on very, very quick. And you have mm-hmm. to adapt, you know, to what's going on around you. And that's the thing. I'm not saying you forget your principles or your standards. You just adapt 
to the other things that come your way uh, along the way. That's all. I love it, man. And the best part about all of that is that's your coaching philosophy, but that could be anybody's life philosophy too. Right. And I think that's the most important part. You as a, a college basketball assistant coach, you're dealing with young men and you're teaching them basketball, but you're also helping them in life too, which I think is the most important part because as we said, you know, not all these guys are going to go on to play professionally in the NBA or, or, or professionally overseas, but they will continue to live uh, and they'll be able to take all of these opportunities and everything that you've taught them through this philosophy and through your coaching style forward in life, which I think is the most important part. So we appreciate you there, man. Thank you. No, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, if anybody else has any other questions, I'm an open book. Just feel free to reach out to me at any time. I love it. I do have one last question for you, though, man. Go ahead. What it, what's, where, what are you doing next? I mean, obviously, you know, you like to stay home and with college basketball, everything is kind of up in the air from time to time. You don't know who's going to, you don't know when you're going to lose that job. You don't know when another one's coming along. So I know you want to stay close to home, but you know, are you going to, you know, you're going to hang out here as long as you can. Are you going to try and become the head coach at Towson? No, I'm sure your head coach, you love him and, and what he's doing, but you know, what are, what are some career goals for you as well? Uh, career goal is to become a head coach. Um, now, how that looks, I don't, I don't know. Um, right now, I just have to be present in this moment and coaching at Towson. Um, but in the future, the plan is to become a head coach. I love it, man. Well, good stuff. Well, Brandon McDonald, assistant men's basketball coach at Towson University, all around great guy. Sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Man, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Brandon. As I said, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Really interesting. Really glad we got to go into his coaching philosophy for a little bit there as well and kind of his take on AAU basketball, which as we say, get a bad rap. And I'm sure there's a couple sides to that story and a couple different arguments to make. But I think from someone on the inside, it's pretty cool to hear and listen about. So please make sure to follow him on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please also make sure to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're using because that would be super, super helpful for what we're doing so more people get to hear these really awesome stories. So thank you so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes!